G'day, it's James Baldwin here welcoming you to another episode of Oz F1, Australia's favourite Formula One podcast. Well, we're still in lockdown, but that won't stop us creating new and awesome content coming your way. If you haven't had a chance yet, please hop onto our website, www.ozf1.com.au. You can find all of the back catalogue of Oz F1 to listen to if that tickles your fancy. If not, please subscribe, share this podcast around and feel free to leave a review. Now let's get into it. I'm joined by my friends and yours, the two Thomases, Tommy T, the tech savvy, and Thomas J. Camp, the <laughs> aggravated person. Boys, I'd say, how are you? But we spent the last 40 minutes trying to get this to work. Tommy, I know you're bloody good. Campy, how are you yeah. feeling, Just, mate? Oh, mate, I'm all right now, but I'll give you the hot tip. Technology. <laughs> Dear Lord, boys, for the last year and a half, I've been sitting here trying to figure this out and get it. Oh, draws me insane. And dear listeners, you thought you had problems in isolation. Clearly we do more so than you. I've left my house every day. Including, <laughs> including just before uh, we yeah. started press record on this. Uh, video breather. proof to come on our Instagram channel later, thanks to Tommy T's expert <laughs> videoing skills. Hey, uh, boys, lockdown is still on, but uh, we're still doing content, um, although it seems like the gap between recording the introduction to this podcast and actually recording this bit uh, is about four times the length of a normal podcast. But here we are. We're making it work. Uh, things to talk about. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about, really, but uh, the first thing I want to mention is the passing of Sterling Moss, uh, really a legend of the sport uh, back in 1962 had his, his big crash around Easter time. So almost to, to, the, to the day, I guess, but uh, really sad that, that he's passed away. Really, really inspirational to a lot of drivers. We saw people like Jensen Button and Lewis uh, posting really decent tributes on their socials and I'm sure he will be missed in the paddock. But boys... We've got other things to talk about. Uh, the first of which I want to bring to everyone's attention is the results of the poll of the best F1 fantasy oh. team. Ooh, uh, who won? And uh, here's, well, it was a tie, actually, uh, which, is, <laughs> which is good news because it means that, uh, Campy, you lost. Uh, Tommy T and I both won. Right. Right. I'll give you the hot tip. That was coming from a mile off. How many how many votes did we get total? That's the real question. It was probably ten, wasn't it? Uh, it was two, and it was uh, <laughs> Tommy and me. I got at least one. You texted me and said I got one. No, I didn't. Yeah, join. I know. No, we got it. We got a few in. If you did vote, uh, either on Instagram or on the website, thank you very much for putting Campy last. Uh, that was all really Tommy and I wanted. But uh, if you want right. to go back, proves through, my we're point. Proves my point. The world's ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> Right. A few history buffs out there, just go read the Bible and uh, just look at the ignorance of humanity on a mass scale. And, uh... <laughs> I'm, pretty sh- I'm pretty sure somewhere in there it talks about Alonzo being a useless driver as well, Kenny. Oh, that was a bit of fun. Good luck. Good luck, Thomas. Uh, but yes, if you look, if you if you haven't uh, listened to that podcast, guys, jump back uh, and listen to the previous one. We had a lot of fun putting that together. I think we'll, we'll do something similar in the future. But uh, Tommy T will put up on Instagram the the actual teams, so you can have a look back at how that went. Now, Campy, 
Campy Calls, yes, it mate. was a, uh, a great podcast. It was everyone's favourite except for Tommy T's because he wasn't <laughs> around. Uh, but we've got some further news based on uh, your massive, massive rant uh, with Ferrari and the FIA. Do you want to update us on what is the latest with that? Well, you say massive news. There's not really any news anymore except for the FIA got back to the teams and said, all right, we hear where you're coming from and we agree with you, so we are going... We're happy to release the information. It's now in Ferrari's hands and whether they would like to disclose the terms of our agreement. Um, sorry, not the terms, the uh, whatever the agreement was about. Not, yep, so the IP. Yeah, so the FIA said, yep, Ferrari said no. I think that's just the FIA playing nice and keeping all the teams happy and then put they're happy to put it back onto Ferrari to release the information. Ferrari was never going to do it anyway, so it's a win-win for everyone. Now Ferrari looks like the bad guy, whereas they're still in cahoots and it's still corruption at a more <laughs> of, more of a level of what we've seen. So that's the news on that one, and I just it's just ridiculous. Bit of honesty, but we've spoken about all that before. And so, what do you think is actually going to come out of all of this? I mean, we've ab- we've seen ab- strongly worded ab- emails before. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely yep. nothing. And Ferrari we're lucky that we don't have a season at the moment. Yeah. We're, we're, as I said, we're lucky. I mean, we well, speak for yourself, really. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I'd say that. <laughs> well, Ferrari's lucky because this would be the biggest story since Cheatgate with McLaren and Ferrari when intellectual property and actual design of the cars were stolen back then. Um, this is two institutions in cahoots with each other and corruption, and the teams would have kicked up a stink about it. We would have heard more and more and more. We're just lucky. Well, Ferrari's lucky and the FIA's lucky that we're in a world with coronavirus and we can't do anything at the moment. Mm. So I think there's probably... We'll probably hear a bit more about it when racing resumes, but until then, I just think it's a side issue at the moment. There is a 100% chance that Christian Horner will make noise about this at any given opportunity. So, yes, watch this space. That will definitely come back uh, yeah, to He's light, the one indeed. to watch. He will definitely say something. Snitch. I tell, I tell you what, though, in terms of uh, the crisis itself and the FIA potentially not being happy about it, uh, teams going bust. There's been reports uh, from the uh, the head of British Motorsport, uh, Richards, uh, saying things like uh, that, Racing Point and Williams are in sort of danger of going bust. I'm not sure I'd put Racing Point slash no, uh, Stroll Romeo. It'll be fine. They'll be right. They'll be right. Uh, it's 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 interesting though because I think lots of I mean there's lots of calls saying to Liberty Media, oh, you need to do more to keep the teams in play and everything else. But I mean, since then we've seen. Uh, Project Pit Lane, so teams like Mercedes putting together or turning all of their engineering and manufacturing attention to, to putting together devices to help save lives, which is pretty cool. Uh, so mm. it, I, I still think there's still enough in the sport uh, on the peripheral stuff going on, especially now the rules aren't changing for 2021, but for 2022 that sort of allow people to remain in this business. But John Todd was on a podcast uh, yesterday, Tommy, and uh, he had some interesting things to say. Yeah, there was a couple of issues that they brought up. First of which was probably, is there going to be interest when F1 does finally resume? I.e. are families going to come out and pay to come to events? Are we going to get crowds and tickets like sold on the gate is a big thing. The second issue he brought up is when these big manufacturers come back, is motorsport going to be anywhere near their focus or is it going to be 
production lines, are they going to be more interested in selling Clio's or are they going to be more interested in selling motorsport and mm. F1 cars? Mm. Which is a great point, to be honest. Like there's thousands and thousands of people out of jobs, including yeah. F1 teams. But when you think about how big these companies that run F1 teams are, there's so many, many more people affected than just the Formula One side of things. So, yeah, and if we do go into some sort of global recession, the last thing that these companies are going to want to are going to want to do is spend money on going racing. Yeah, we came out of that. We saw the effect that the 2008 GFC had on motorsport. We didn't. I mean, we didn't. We still had races every year, and we still had participation from manufacturers like Renault, but Renault pulled the pen and said, we'll supply an engine, but we're not going to race. We're not mm. going to be fully fledged. And some some inexperienced new teams tried to make that gain after it happened, but it just didn't work. The money wasn't flowing like it was this time last year. So mm. it'll be really interesting to see. It's all speculation at the moment. But, mm. um, but you can understand if you're a CEO of a massive uh, manufacturer and you've got, Basically, your core business is producing cars yep. that go on the road for the everyday person to buy. Are you going to focus on that or are you going to focus on the couple of extra percent <coughs> right well, at the top, which is motorsport and which is advertising at its best, really? Well, the main reason why companies go racing in the first place is it's, it's a place for them to develop ideas and technologies that they eventually roll out on their road cars. I mean, you look at all the Ferrari hybrid and the, uh, the Aston Martin Valkyrie and the... The Merc, what everything, the, all yeah. their hybrids are based on this that first generation of car, yep, F1 car that we saw back in 2013, 14, 13, 14, whenever, uh, 14, yeah, 14. So, you know, it does have a flow on effect, but mm. it's just whether or not it's a fine balance. I <laughs> think the cost cutting measures that are due to come in next year, which we can get onto next, may help a lot of that situation, yeah. So, the regulations have been pushed back another year other than the cost-cutting measures and the cap. So it's looking like the cap will stay as it is for 2021, but the new regs, the new car, the new chassis, all those kind of things are pushed back a whole other year to 2022. And in that as well, they've cancelled all aerodynamic development mm. on the now 2022 cars until next year. Yeah. So, so they're trying – basically the idea is to put a pause on it so that big manufacturers who have resource still can't put all this energy into it and get, I mean, weeks and weeks ahead in their homework and leaving the kind of – the smaller guys behind yeah. by a whole year basically. Yeah, I'm not sure how they police it though. That's my That's pretty hard. I mean, Jim, you're a stickler for the policing side of the world. How would you <laughs> police something like that, mate? But it would just be incredibly hard to do. I think, and there's going to be so many other. I think it's. I think it's got to be an honesty system. Oh, well, I was going to say there's got to, be, yeah. But we see this. I mean, you put any kind of competition or, or players involved in a competition to say, well, you need to be honest about something, and inherently they're not because they're always trying to get that next mm. edge. And if it just means not telling their FIA about something, well, then they're 100 percent going to do it because that's the kind mm. of sport that Formula One or any sports really. Is and people who are honest will suffer as a result. Well, we see it within regulations we've got now. This is what yeah. F, this is what Ferrari has apparently done allegedly. Like these kind of small changes. Can you imagine if you gave Ferrari and the top Mercedes teams a, a year head start, basically, on everyone else on new regulations? That's oh. just massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm we already f- thought they were going to be leaps and bounds ahead of the other guys, but give them a whole year. That's insane. 
I'd love to work in some or operate in some sort of utopia where everyone's honest and on the same page, but I don't think it's going to yeah. happen. We're talking no. about human nature yep. and... We're talking tens of seconds a lap yeah. and these things can be huge and they can be millions of dollars worth of time and investment and if they can find tens of a second in a lap, they're going to find it. Yeah, and if it costs them 100 million bucks to do it, someone's going to spend someone's it to do it. Someone's 100% it. Red, yeah. Red Bull Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. Well, this kind of comes back to the other thing. So with all of this and basically manufacturers potentially shifting their focus, there was talks that in 2025, I think it was, that Britain were going to outlaw petrol cars. They're looking. Well, you said thirty-five. Was it thirty-five? You? But anyway, so they, it's it's in the it's in the works anyway. That is this going to put a delay on that? Is this going to kind of keep that on the same track? Are they are these no. manufacturers going to look at this as an opportunity? All right, all right, we're stopping operations to some degree anyway. Let's make the shift now when it's easier, or will it delay things and go? We, you know, what's important? Jobs. Let's put people back in making petrol cars and producing cars in work. Like, there's so many other flow-on effects other than motorsport. You've still got to get people to buy the actual product itself and if there's no work and there's no money flowing around the system for people to spend dumb amounts of money on electric yeah. cars, it's not going to happen. Well, the other part of this is that Britain was going to put 20,000, whatever it is, charging points around. With what money? If they've got to put all this money back into the economy with people who can't work, all these kind of things, they're not going to have the money to roll out these kind of infrastructure spends in that time. Well, locally, I know the Melbourne City Council has spent I think it was $1.5 billion or there's that's how much has been allocated to upgrade the power grid and the systems just to in, to future-proof. That's before we even put the points in. Yeah. No, yeah. to future-proof yeah. so that everyone's, so everyone's, um can efficiently charge their cars while at work in parking garages and stuff like that. So, you know, it is significant and it's big money, but... Yeah, There's I can't also, say that. That stuff will be secondary. We just want to get back to racing as soon as we possibly can. I think everyone's seen and heard enough of this COVID-19, which is probably man-made and came out of a bio lab. And <laughs> it's just ridiculous. You going to say something, James? Yeah, I was going to was just waiting for, for Campy to launch on a tirade and he didn't and I was surprised. <laughs> oh, uh, look, I'm holding back. I, no, I, I, I think, want to. But Tommy, we're not a conspiracy podcast. <laughs> not yet. Um Tommy, I think you said a good point about um, like the development flow on of what Formula One, and at least in the past, you saw like in the early 2000s with the introduction of the Flappy Battle gearbox that ended up in mm. road cars and Ferraris first and now you've got it even on like diesel Ford Focuses. It, like that so- sort of stuff happens and it, it does trickle down, but are we now getting to a point where that kind of technology isn't actually relevant anymore when you've got people like uh, Elon Musk and Tesla doing, you know, Amazing things in that space, completely removed from you know motorsport. Yeah, the pinnacle of motorsport. Um, yeah, and you know it's it's interesting. What if I told you Formula E would become the pinnacle of motorsport? I'd <laughs> uh, call you a liar. You and tell you to shut up. You can leave. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's you know, where we're heading. But that, that's true. But I mean, it's talking about like what is the future of Formula One and what is the future of teams? And you know, as you said, Campy, Renault did a similar thing uh, after the GFC. The people like Bernie Eccleston are saying to Mercedes right now, "You guys should leave at the end of 2020. You've you've proved everything. You don't need to do anything else here. You can exit. You can be an engine manufacturer to customer teams. That's it. Leave while you've got that opportunity. And if someone like Bernie is saying that. People mm. are going to start listening. I know for you know for whatever Bernie's point is worth, uh, but you know he's been he's been saying this 
well, he's been saying for a while that the turbo hybrid was a bit of a mistake and that, you know, Mercedes have dominated for too long. Um, but he's also saying things like, well, McLaren Mercedes, that combo next year is exciting and it's a, it's a good thing, but it also now means that you don't necessarily need to have a factory Mercedes works team. So potentially boys, we might see the exit of a stack of different manufacturing teams and really what's going to be left for customer teams yeah. to, to compete for and where's the money going to come? Yeah. It's, it's going to be an interesting. So I think this whole delay of the season, whenever it starts, mm. you know, if it's in France, as Ross Braun has been saying, stuff that's going on right now is going to be changing people's minds about what they're going to do with their money on the other side, because you cut costs and you increase turnover and, you know, when you've missed five Formula One races already, yeah. and according to Helmut Marco, that's $100 million per yeah. team. In terms of revenue mm. lost, well, are you going to come back? I mean, I hope they do. Don't get me wrong, but I, it's just super. I, I yeah, don't think it hurts teams really like Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, and now the Stroll Consortium, McLaren. Like, these teams are established. I think they've they got a genuine interest in F1 being around for a long time. Mm. We're lucky that it's the pinnacle of it, of motorsport or cars, car racing. Anyway, mm-hmm. there might be some uh, other categories that fall away pretty quickly. But um, what was I going to say? I forgot my whole point. Then <laughs> I just went on a tangent. What an idiot! That's not no, like you, Kevy. Obviously, obviously, we want motorsport back as quick as we can. Yeah, and everyone's trying to really force the issue. I think. I think what's going to end up happening is we're going to have a bunch of double stacked races at the other end because they've got to recoup some money. This is the thing. There's so much sponsorship. There's so much money involved with Formula One. It's basically a big money laundering scheme for people to move <laughs> money around. <laughs> I'll sponsor you if you pay for this and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that just, all still has to just happen. Like, just like the Vatican, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but all this money has to be washed around in Formula One somehow and they're going to have to make it happen towards the end of the year, it seems. Whether that means races that exist with no crowds, that's highly likely, it seems. Good, because the mass majority of the viewing audience is international anyway. Yeah. At, at yeah, every 100%. round. Well, I would argue this is a perfect time to launch Liberty Media doing their own version of what is like an NBA league pass where you basically get a login like a Netflix and then you have all the access. And they do that They do that currently in America, but it's not available worldwide. Perfect time to launch that. We definitely don't have it in Australia, do we? I oh, know. Kevin and I tried to go through some... Uh, some other channels to try and get this. <laughs> Very hard. Look, I think Foxdale, when they locked down the rights for Formula 1, the V8 supercars, they had the best intentions for motorsport mm. in Australia long term. Yeah. But as the TV model and that whole industry is changing and the way you stream sports now and does stuff, they're way behind the bell curve. They're mm. probably going to hang it out to dry for the next five minutes to make as much money out of it as they possibly can yeah. so that we, the viewers, don't get the access that we really want, which is a real shame. Yeah, yeah it is a shame. Well, just on that, to be honest, like a lot of this falls on Sky. They're pretty average. Like So they ran the eSports uh, Formula 1 races recently. Oh, can we not talk a bit? Computer games. Campy, if you would like to go outside for five minutes. Oh. Campy, if you want to go and have a dart, mate, oh. we'll, we'll just uh, continue. The, the boys will talk Seriously. about uh, esports. But just quickly, so I watched the Sky uh, broadcast. 
Uh, yeah, the. Uh, I'm gone, so I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I watched the Sky <laughs> broadcast. <laughs> uh, forgot the word for broadcast. And then I watched the uh, V8 Supercars broadcast. V8 Supercars smashed it. They oh, did so goodness. much better. It was it was actually enjoyable to listen to and to watch. Oh, everything they just did it so much better. If we could have the V8 Supercars team. Please take over <laughs> from Sky Sports. That would be brilliant. Now, Tommy, I don't know if you know, but the the uh, commentators for the esports uh, that we saw, the the live um, F1 2019 yep. game, they are the actual commentators of the esports round. So what they haven't done, and I actually don't think it's Sky, I think that they're Formula One people. What needs to happen is people like Crofty and Ted and as as, as yeah. hard as it would be for them to, you know, get the excitement level up to, to go and do something like this, that's what we're kind of missing but from... They're not interested. Yeah, well, you speak... Shut up, Gabby. <laughs> they but were. Speaking... They actually crossed to Crofty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they, they have to be. This is their job, right? They're, they're awesome at what they do. This is the, the gap that is filling Formula One. You're right. V8 Supercars, if you haven't watched that uh, on YouTube, do it. And that's the thing. It was on YouTube and Facebook. You could just stream it, it free, whatever. No, no problems. They they raced at Monza and it was an absolute carnage and I laughed for a lot funny. of it. And especially Rick Kelly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's just, just that kind of attitude now. It's like, guys, you're not putting your all into making this the best experience. I was getting more joy watching Lando Norris's Twitch stream before his game crashed. Oh. Just watching his commentary and of what's going on or any of the other sim races and whatever. The, the actual broadcast itself, really, really crappy. And it's not yeah. doing any benefit for, for the sport as a whole because people are going to go through the official channels first, not the drivers. 100%. It's a, it's a great opportunity. And I quickly texted you because Campy doesn't give a crap. But I said... The F one nineteen game, they have missed I don't know who I think it's Codemasters that makes it. Yep. But they're stuffed up. They could have done some brand new livery, so we're still looking at the old Toro Rosso. We need to look yeah. at the Alpha Tori. Little things like that that they could change over and actually win a lot of customers over through doing this well. We're looking at lobby screens and stuff that's getting broadcast around the world. Yeah. That is just pathetic. Get your act together. Do you know what? It'll have it'll have something to do with licensing, and I can guarantee you that. Well, that's exactly right. So it, it they would be preferring to use iRacing, which is another simulator, Way which better is so much better, and actually is more indicative of what it is like to drive a car rather than to drive an arcade game. That kind of thing, you've got all the programming there to be able to do new liveries like the V8 supercars mm-hmm. did and you have all of the brand new liveries, all the numbers, all the drivers, yep. fantastic, awesome, makes a lot of sense. But, yeah, when you're looking at a lobby view and there is the, literally the broadcast is someone sitting there with an Xbox controller clicking like right trigger for the next Ridiculous. driver. Come on, guys. Like you're not even yeah. trying. Codemasters should have done something. Like they, what have they – yeah, whatever. It just, it's just – disappo- it's disappointing, but you're right, Campy. It's licensing because it's the official Formula 1 game. They have to do it. I'm sure none of them actually – yeah. Enjoy doing it. However, though, it is good to have some sort of content. Oh, can we stop talking about it is, computer games? It is good to have some <laughs> sort of content because there's other drivers like Danny Rick who's just hanging out in Perth just doing trick shots with water bottles into the into a bin on the back of an ATV, which was very impressive. <laughs> he, well, just becoming a farmer, I think. Nah, he's working. He'd be doing his dad's road construction stuff, what his dad's into. So there's mm. all those big machines on his property and... I don't think he's working. I think he's forty-three million over two years will probably be all right. Yeah. I think he needs to go back to work. Oh, good, thanks. I'll tell you what. That's my dream right there. I'll tell you what. To fans, earn forty-three million dollars. Are you going to give us the hot tip, Gabby? 
I'll give you the whole tip. I'll give you the whole tip, right? I will start watching esports when Kimi Raikkonen starts participating. There you are, Kimi. We know you're listening. Yeah, I'm well aware that I'm ignorant on the fact that how big esports and this video games and Twitch and all this thing is. I did some research in the last two weeks and I'm shocked. (laughs) I am shocked to the core that people... Will watch other people over the internet playing computer games. <laughs> Not only that, but give them fucking money. <laughs> My lord, what is wrong with the world? <laughs> mate. This, this, this is how you make a living uh, in 2020 lockdown. Mate, it's got nothing to do with lockdown. This has been going on. Why? Oh, Next time on Campy Calls It. Jeez, oh, no, I think God. we need to change his Campy Calls It to the oh, hot tip. I'm going, I'm going to anyone under 25 that buys into this stuff, sort your lives out. <laughs> right? What about if you're over that and you buy into it? James and sort, I are Sort your life out. <laughs> James will get to pass because he doesn't have a job. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to fill the hours. Ah. On his military pension too. So. Sometimes you've just got to go to war in Canberra. Hey, uh, restarting the actual races, let's just talk about that very quickly because what uh, Ross Braun was saying was that it's likely to be uh, poor Ricard the first circuit, which means Campy's not going to be watching until the second race of the season. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be behind closed doors. So what do you think in terms of a vibe? Like is, if the, is this even worth it still, boys? Yes, definitely. Mate, I want to stop talking about computer games and get back to actual racing. So the go. F- oh, mate, I guarantee you when they launch this first track, whether it's got spectators or not, that is going to be one of the highest grossing viewed Grand Prix of the Good point. last decade and a half. Even if it's Paul Ricard? Will you watch it? Even if it's Paul Ricard? <laughs> I think so. It's, just not, a, it's not a great track. It's a horrible track. It's not a great... It looks like a hypnotism bloody poster. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, it's this. It's it's been designed like it got designed as this new, new style of F one track with really long straights and a section with tight. Corner Sounds very French. Well, unfortunately, the French got it wrong when they designed this one. So. <laughs> we don't Sorry. like Paul Ricard. In case you're wondering, upgraded. It's been around for years. Yeah, uh, on a positive I think you're right. note, I want to stay positive. I've been watching a ton of old races on YouTube, which has been good. Goodness me. You figured out how to use YouTube. Whoa. Download it on my phone. Welcome to the internet, wow. Campy. Yeah. Jeez, settle down. I'm, uh, I'm not that much of a video. <laughs> I have videos and photos <laughs> and 45 minutes of being in a room with you <laughs> trying to figure out how to work your iPad. Man, I told you guys, I bought a MacBook Pro. Which he calls, an iPad. Which he calls his iPad. I want to be one of the cool kids. There's a song in that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've loved going back through some of these old races and um, oh, it's been great. The one I watched the other night was, the latest one I watched was the 97 in Jerez. Um, sorry, Jerez. In Her- Jerez? Yeah, Jerez? Uh, yeah, however you pronounce it. I don't, I don't have that. It's with the Jerez. The welcome, have, welcome to Australia, everybody. That. Sorry to our Spanish listeners. I don't have that Spanish lisp that they all seem to have. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was the season ending race and it was... <laughs> 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 
fuck. I'll just defend everyone. He just watched me. He sits back. Can you go in the population you'd like to have a crack at? Or, you know, we've got plenty of time. Right. Is that just Spain or Spanish-speaking countries? All of them. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, you need a lisp to say it. <laughs> Not that Australians can talk. Mate, we've got the worst. It's oh, horrible. You, got... You're a prime example of that, my friend. <laughs> Travelling with an Australian accent is very shameful. But they all bloody love us, don't they? They love us. They but love it's us. a bad accent. Us and Kiwis, bloody. <laughs> just the rowdiest bunch. And we're not Poms or Americans. I'm pretty so sure that the there's wind. a photo of Campy behind a bar in Texas Ooh. as the hero. Yes. Oh, there may be. There may be. <laughs> I can I can confirm that allegation. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lead. Oh, okay, good. It's also uh, got a photo of a tattoo that I got on more. It says Max Verstappen on his lip. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, it says Texas. Uh, on it. Mate, that's not how you spell Max Ripper. Verstappen. You said to the tattoo artist, <laughs> it, it, it is Ripper. V-E-R-3-3, three, three. that's on the inside of your lip. Anyway, getting back to my point, what I'm trying to say is that that was the race where it was the final race of the season and Schumacher and Villeneuve were toe-to-toe for the championship. It was basically whoever beat somebody on that day, each other on that day. And Schumacher was a gentleman? <laughs> Mate, I'll tell you what, I watched that and I was like, what a dodgy bastard. <laughs> So I don't want to, I'm going to ruin it for you. So I'm going to talk you, th- I'm going to talk you <laughs> through the race. It's pretty old. I'm going to talk you through the race. Villeneuve got a really bad start. He started on pole, dropped back to uh, to fourth behind his teammate and Michael Schumacher got the jump from second and uh, third on the grid. Uh, basically led the race up until about lap 50 of about 67 from my best recollection. Anyway, Villeneuve managed to claw himself back you know, bought back about a 10-second deficit at one stage, got past Schumacher going into uh, one of the hairpins there. Schumacher, the dodgy prick. I mean, we know he's sick and we hope he gets well, but, mate, what a (laughs) turn straight into him and tries to break his suspension. In the process, beaches himself and loses a world championship. Mate, got to win at all costs. What? It, man, this is wrong. It's unsportsmanlike. We're not used to saying that. I'll tell you what, if everything had gone right in his career, he would probably would have had another two or three world yeah. championships, really. So, 100%. Um, no, yeah, ever the competitor. Uh, oh, yeah, to the point where it goes too far, in my opinion. But great racing, great sound. Oh, the com- it was the old commentator. What was his name? Um, uh, Murray. Murray Walker. Murray Walker. Yeah. Murray Walker. Oh, what a voice. Oh, Just, what a uh, dude. Uh, yeah. And it was a good podium as well because he had Mika on first and DC second with Jacques in third. Yeah, well, they, you know, he, Villeneuve had the slow puncher on the last five laps and lost like his 15-second lead or whatever it was over the last 15. And He was a great um, driver. DC was actually in front of Mika and... Mika jumped in front for the first win of the for the year for him, and DC had, had a couple that year. But it, I've really enjoyed going back and watching some of the old races, which I didn't watch live. Of you know, we're yeah. we're pretty new to this sport. I've really only been watching it significantly and really following it since about twenty ten. Re Mark Webber years. So, oh, 
I've always seen it because we've had a Grand Prix in Melbourne every yep. year, yeah. so we get to see and hear the sounds. And I remember as a kid being on the other side of the city and hearing him go. It's still here, yeah, 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 not, not anymore. Uh, no, yeah, not anymore. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's good to go back and watch that stuff and just yeah. get a bit nostalgic with it. So I've really enjoyed. Yeah, the fact that Liberty Media ever made those things available, and we will we will be doing some some rewind recaps on some important races for the last decade or so, maybe even longer. We go back into the nineties because that was some bloody good racing. And yes, we we miss the voice of Murray Walker because what a what a dude, oh, absolutely. Right. Oh. Well, boys, I think this is a good time to wrap everything up. Thank you for for bearing with us for about four hours worth of recording to get what will only be really probably a half an hour podcast <laughs> and 10 minutes of good stuff and yeah well James <laughs> I'll leave it up to you how much of the previous 45 minutes you've put in because <laughs> I'm sure you've got uh, it on your end that might be a secondary Jeez. episode it might be a secondary episode of um, of Campy's technical ability, but boys, no, thank you. Uh, obviously, it's it's hard to to continue doing podcasts, so we really appreciate uh, your support, dear listener. If uh, if you want to share this around, please feel free to do so. Of course, subscribe, do all the good stuff. As we've said, we're on uh, Facebook and on Instagram. Boys, thank you very much. Pleasure to talk with you both, and we will uh, are looking forward to a rewind recap very soon. Cheers, boys. Did it work, Camby? Yeah, it's good. Oh, God. Thank you.